78% of the national champions since 1985 have either been a one seed or a two seed. But we're about to tell you why all eight of them will not win it all this year. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. We are your hosts, Isaac Shade, he's Andy Patton, and it is Christmas morning. It is Thursday of March Madness. I'm wearing my son's Mickey Mouse Santa hat because it's Christmas Day. Pop all your poppers, celebrate, pop the bubbly, let's get into it. We want to thank you for making this show your first listener watch every single day. So as I said off the top, I love what we're about to do here today. We're going to take a segment to talk about all four one seeds. We're going to tell you why we think they can win, why we think they can't win the national championship. Then we'll do the two seeds. And then at the end of the show today, I'm going to sit down with Lee Sterling, one of the hosts of Locked On Bets. And we're going to talk about some of the upcoming games today, some of the odds, and why South Carolina might boat race their way through the women's tournament as well. So here's, here's the conceit of the show, the data. A one seed or a two seed has won seven straight national championships, nine of the last 10. And as I said off the top, since the field expanded to 64 teams back in 1985, 29 of the 37 champions or 78.4% have been either a one or two seed. What does it all mean? When you fill out your bracket or if you've already done so, you might want to adjust it. You need to pick a one or a two seed. So with all that in mind on the show, we're going to tell you why all eight of these teams who we think are legitimately the top eight teams in the nation will win or won't win the national championship. And then you get to unpack it all and decide for yourself who you should actually go with. So Andy, let's start with the number one overall seed. We'll work our way down to the number eight overall. So Alabama coming out of the South, the number one overall team, Andy Patton, why will the Crimson Tide win this year's national championship? Well, they have the third best defense in the country and they have Brandon Miller. And oh, we, could, uh, <laughs> we almost don't need to do a whole lot more than that. Quite honestly, this team is elite on the defensive end of the floor. They're number one defense on two-point field goal percentage, number three uh, on stopping three-point shots, number one in effective field goal percentage defense. They shut you down. Gonzaga dropped 100 on them because Gonzaga is a freakishly good offensive team. Pretty much nobody else has found a way to score consistently against this Crimson Tide team. And on offense, I don't think anybody's figured out how to stop Brandon Miller. I'm not sure anybody's going to between now and the start of the end of the NCAA tournament. I think that's the thing is, is people think about the offense and they're like, man, that Alabama offense, they're bombing away, like mm -hmm. completely like modern day basketball offense, right? Mm -hmm. Close twos and threes, but it's this defense that really sets them apart. Andy, let's go to the mm -hmm. other side. Why won't Alabama win? Uh, I'll start. It's the Brandon Miller. If yeah. he has an off night, which he doesn't, that's a different team. For yeah. example, Brandon Miller has scored in double figures this season in all but one game. So this is an easier said than done type of scenario here. But if I'm scouting Alabama, I'm making someone else beat me other than Brandon Miller. I am doing everything I can to shut this young man down. It's got to be Mark Sears or Javon mm -hmm. Quinterly or their other stud freshman, Noah Clowney. Mm -hmm. Get up in Brandon Miller and make him a dribbler. Don't give him room to operate. I don't care if I'm double teaming, like whatever, like junk defense him to mm -hmm. death, but I refuse to let Brandon Miller beat me. Why else might they not win? 
I think the three-point shooting is kind of a, a question with them, too. They're a good but not elite three-point shooting That's team. Right. They take a lot of them, uh, but they're not, you know, 33.5% or 34%-ish from three. So, again, if they shoot 31, 30, 29% in a game, if Brandon Miller struggles or if you're able to kind of shut him down, there's absolutely a recipe here. And I think you're going to need to be an elite offensive team. Again, I mentioned Gonzaga because they are one of the few teams that has really proven that they can beat them. And Gonzaga did it a different way because they just kind of let Brandon Miller do his thing. I think he dropped 36 on them. But Gonzaga, again, also scored 100 points. Most teams aren't going to do that. Arizona, one of the teams they might face the NCAA tournament, they could maybe do that. They're one of the very few teams that has the ability to do that because of how elite they are offensively. But unless you can score a lot of points against one of the best teams in the country, this is a really, really hard team to stop. Now, Isaac... Want to move on to the Midwest number one seed, the Houston Cougs, the Cougars. And obviously the big story for Houston right now is Marcus Sasser and the injury with him, if he's out, if he's not out. And it's kind of changes the conversation we can really have about this team. But with or without knowing Sasser's status as of right now, why do you think this team can win a national championship? Well, I think they can win. Mm -hmm. Because we like it's the opposite of Houston or of Alabama, excuse me. With Houston, I often think, oh man, it's all about this defense and Kelvin's got them going. But according to Ken Palm, this is the most balanced team out of the entire 363 teams of Division One. There is no team right now at Ken Palm that is top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. We usually have like one, maybe two. Mm-hmm. But they are the closest, are the Cougars. Number 11 in offensive efficiency and number four in defensive efficiency. So that offense is keeping up with the defense. A couple other reasons for me. Houston is just grown men dudes getting mm-hmm. after it, right? Like they're, they're just going to bring the fight to you and you have to be ready to punch mm-hmm. back. If you're a, a finesse team that relies on getting to the free throw line, mm-hmm. sorry, you're gone, yes. right? Like you just got to be ready to go to war with it. And the other thing, again, assuming if Sasser's able to go, mm-hmm. is Jamal is the Sasser and Shed show. That, yeah. Wow. The Sasser and Shed show. The Sasser. It's hard to say. <laughs> Stop what you're doing right now and try to say the Sasser and Shed show. Uh, wow. That's <laughs> gross. Um, but if Marcus Sasser is good and ready to go, that like good luck with that backcourt. They mm-hmm. are elite. Andy, what about the flip side of this? Why won't Houston win the national championship? Well, certainly no Marcus Sasser would be a factor if you were even if he played, if he played at 60 percent, 70 percent, 80 percent, you're probably still going to feel pretty good about it. But at, at some point, you know, he's probably going to have a minute's restriction. Uh, obviously, if you were to re-aggravate it, if he did come back and have to sit out, that would be an issue for them. Uh, Terrence Arsenault is the guy who I think is going to fill in a lot of those roles. He's a freshman, a very talented freshman. But I think that's part of the issue for Houston is that they have these this really veteran laden roster for their starters with the exception of Jairus Walker who's just a, I mean, he's a grown man even though he's a freshman yeah. uh, but their their depth outside of that is, is kind of young and Houston they don't play a super deep lineup or a super deep rotation and injuries could be a factor here no sasser no leadership from him I mean Jamal Shedd is, is a perfectly capable uh, leader if they need him to fill into that role but he ain't Marcus Sasser. Thing. Exactly. He's not Marcus Sasser. I think that's the biggest thing for them. Of course, we've talked about this already on the show, too. But uh, there, there's a possibility they have to play a, a pretty good Auburn team in Birmingham, Alabama. And if Jed is, or excuse me, if Sasser is still not 100%, that's a pretty tough matchup. After that, I think they got a pretty good path. But uh, that's, a, that's a big factor for them. Absolutely. It will be. Let's move to the West. Andy, where the Kansas Jayhawks are the number one seed. Talk to me about why they will win the national championship. They have a little back bit of to back, by the way. Mm-hmm. 
They have a little bit of everything on this roster. They have a, a, a phenomenal facilitator in Dewan Harris, one of the best, and and in a way, un, like underappreciated point guards in the I, nation. Oh, like, absolutely, he doesn't get talked yes. about as much as he probably should for how talented he is. They have an elite outside shooter in Grady Dick. They have a superstar. All-American first-teamer in Jalen Wilson. They have an improving player in K.J. Adams, and then they have an elite on-ball defensive player, a, a really perfect glue, gla- glue guy. That's also tough to say. Role player. Glue guy, K- Sasser, and Shad Show. <laughs> Can't do it. Uh, we've been doing a lot of podcasting. You can tell our mouths are just – we're struggling here. <laughs> Kevin McCullough, an elite defensive player for this team as well. And I think that you just – there's not a lot of weaknesses on this roster. They do a little bit of everything. Well, Uh, I don't think they got a great draw and that kind of leads into what I was going to ask you about, which is maybe why this, why this team's not going to go all that far because they got some tough games they got to play, but, but this is a team that's hard to find a lot of, uh, a a lot of areas of weakness for them. Yeah, there sure aren't many holes. And by the way, Kevin McCuller has the rep as the D, but Oh, by the way, Dewan Harris was the big 12 defensive player of the year. So give me some of that. One of the reasons uh, Kansas could win is because Bill self, because he's one of the, top three best X's and O's coaches mm-hmm. in basketball. But one of the reasons they might not win is if he's not fully ready to go. When you're just coming off of some heart stints, uh, probably the best thing for you is to not jump into NCAA tournament play. So keep an <laughs> eye on that. But to your point about this region, Andy, the West region is absolutely stacked. Five of the top 11 Ken Palm teams are in this region. And Kansas is the fourth ranked out of those. CLA is third at Ken Palm. UConn, fourth. Gonzaga eighth, then Kansas ninth, and St. Mary's 11. And so th- this region, at least in terms of where they rank at Ken Palm, good luck. And by the way, if Kansas makes it to the regional final, they're probably either facing UCLA or Gonzaga in Las Vegas. And I know Kansas Jayhawk fans travel like locusts in the plague, but goodness <laughs> gracious, having to go yeah. out there to face in the West, good luck. Uh, a couple other reasons that, that might not go well, and I'll tick these off quickly. An over-reliance at times on Jalen Wilson. Sometimes Grady Dick isn't hitting, and that allows you to sag because he's really the only volume, big-time consistent shooter. And then a lack of interior size and rim protection. K.J. Adams, the starting five, he's only 6'7". So just just some things that have me a little... My, my eyebrows are up on that. So, Andy, let's move to Purdue, the number one team uh, in the East region. Why might they be able to bring home the national championship? Zach Eadie. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> Zach Eadie is impossible to defend. I mean, quite honestly, he's so big. He's so skilled around the rim. He, he's utilizing his body, his size so much better than he was uh, last season. Now he's playing more minutes per game, and he's just, I mean, he's an absolute load. Uh, beyond that, I, I don't think Purdue gets enough credit for, for being balanced as well. We talked about that with Houston. This is the ninth-ranked offensive team in the country, again, per Ken Palm, uh, and they're 23rd defensively. The top 25 in both areas, this is a very, very solid a balanced squad. They're also a very, very good offensive rebounding team, which, gee, I wonder why why that might be with you have a seven-foot-four guy down around the block. But they're going to clean up on the glass. They're going to make you work on both ends of the floor, uh, and they have one of the most impossible players to defend in the entire country. Yeah, good luck. Well, I'd like to tell you why I think they won't play. And if you've been listening to us this week, you're going to be sick and tired of hearing me say this. Yeah. No national champion since the adoption of the three-point shot has ever shot below 32.9% from three. Purdue is at 32.6 right now. 
It ain't happening. Don't pick them. If you have them, go erase it and come back and start over. But uh, the probably the biggest reason outside of that, well, it plays into it, is that their freshman backcourt of Braden Smith and Mr. Fletcher Lawyer has mm-hmm. had a great season, a, way above expectations. Sure. But they've hit that freshman wall some down the stretch. They've been exposed against uh, pressure and some other things. Mm-hmm. And, and you just wait to see it also they don't turn teams over very much 338th in the country at steel in steals per game and so andy uh for me they are the weakest of the number one seeds well let's talk about those two seeds because ucla is a little banged up arizona's guards have proven they're a little inconsistent texas struggles to shoot from beyond the arc and marquette they lack some size so we have a legitimate question can any of these two seeds win a national championship before we get there though today's episode of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. We'll have much more on FanDuel lines later in the show with Lee Sterling, so don't miss that plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay so don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA all right Isaac we're talking two seeds here In the second segment, we're breaking down UCLA, Arizona, Marquette, and Texas. Can these teams win it all? I am sure folks listening out there have many of these teams potentially in their final four, potentially in their national championship. Let's start with the Bruins, Mick Cronin squad out west, the two seed over there. They got themselves a pretty tough draw with Gonzaga as the three seed, UConn as the four seed, of course, Kansas, as we talked about, as that one seed. Tell me why you think this team could potentially win it all this year. Well, let's start on the defensive side of the ball, Andy. For a lot of the of this season, Tennessee has been the number one defensive efficiency team at Ken Palm. That is no longer true. It is Mick Cronin's Bruins team. And you expect this from a Mick Cronin team who uh, always had it going at Cincinnati when he was there before moving over here, right? Like, it's just the, the DNA of what he does. I love seeing it out in Los Angeles where you think glitz and glamour. Yeah. Nah, we're going to lock down and defend yeah. you. Now, uh, we're going to have some reasons why that might change, and we'll get mm-hmm. to that in a second. But mm-hmm. the, Jaime Hawkins. Yeah. Like, there's how many times have we talked about one of these teams and we've said, Brandon Miller, enough said. Zach Eady, enough said. Same thing here. Jaime Hawkins, good luck, defenders. He mm-hmm. is a nightmare matchup. Also, UCLA very rarely turns the ball over, averaging just 10.3 a game. Part of that is because Tiger Campbell is another one of those underappreciated guards nationally, similar to Dewan Harris. Best mm-hmm. hair in the game for my money's worth. Yeah. And freshman Amari Bailey has finally really come in to his own. But, Andy, some of those injuries, particularly Jalen Clark, were worried about it. Tell me why UCLA won't win this national championship. Well, again, the best defensive team in the country is missing their best defensive player. <laughs> That's a pretty big factor. It's oh. hard to ignore that. Uh, Jalen Clark is out right now, uh, and he he was Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. He's also an impactful performer for them offensively, averaged 13 points a game. Uh, it's a tough loss for them, and this is a team that has decent depth, more depth than I think a lot of teams in college basketball do. Uh, David Singletary has kind of stepped up in a significant way for them, but 
that's still a really tough loss. And I, I think we talked about their draw already. Uh, if they're going into this without Jalen Clark, it sounds like a Dembona, their star freshman big man. It sounds like he's going to be good to go. If he's at 100%, that's a significant boost for them. But if he's even a little bit below 100%, 70%, 80%, whatever it may be, that's going to factor in for them. And then beyond that, for, for the Bruins, they're really not a great three-point shooting team. They don't take a lot of them. Jaime Jaquez, for how elite he is as an offensive player, he's not an outside shooter. And the rest of the team, just they're outside the top 300 in both three-point attempts and three-point makes per game. You don't need to live and die by the three-pointer, but in the modern basketball game, the other team that you're playing is probably going to take a whole bunch of them. <laughs> and if they're making them and you're struggling to get back in the game because you don't, you know, you don't hit the shots to make the most points, like that could potentially be an issue. Beyond that, for the Bruins, they also are a fairly pedestrian free throw shooting team, uh, 72.5% from the three-point free, free throw line, excuse me. Not terrible by any stretch of the imagination, but again, if you're not hitting your free throws, uh, you're not a great three-point shooting team you're missing your your best defensive player, you can kind of see the recipe here why, why this might be a, a somewhat disappointing NCAA tournament run for the Bruins. You absolutely can do that. Well, let's move to the Midwest with Texas as the number two seed. Andy, for me, part of the reason why they will win the national championship is part of what we said with Houston just a little bit ago, who, by the way, is in that same bracket, top 20 at Ken Palm in both offensive and defensive efficiency, 18 and 0, 11 in defense. And part of it with that offense is it's a really balanced attack. Marcus Carr leads the way. He's the leading scorer, but they have multiple dudes who can have a day and go off. And that's in particular, the guards. We talked about it yesterday. Like we couldn't even agree on who we thought would be the MVP of the Midwest region or the breakout star of the Midwest region, just because of Dylan DeSue and Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter and on and on and on. Right. And so I I think that's a, a great thing for this team. Oh, and by the way, They won the Big 12 tournament, the best conference in all of college basketball. That tells me that they got a little something that they can do and something they can bring to you. They're seventh in the nation in experience. That matters in March, and they turn over opponents on 23% of their possessions. A lot of that, to me, adds up to a national championship. But, Andy, there are also some reasons why they might not win it. Let me hear some. Yeah, I I think they don't have a ton of size, and it's one of those things that hasn't really impacted them a ton this year because they use their athleticism. They're a well-coached team, uh, and and their rebounding numbers are not terrible. They're not great. They're not terrible, but they don't have a ton of size. Dylan DeSue has to kind of play a a big man role despite being, I think, 6'9", 6'8", something like that. Uh, They're also not a great three-point shooting team, and we've talked about that a handful of times with Texas right now. I mean, heck, in their first game, against a 15-seeded Colgate, they're playing a team that shoots 41% from three. Texas shoots 33, 34% from three. We've seen games where they are on. When they played Gonzaga early in the year and their guards were hitting threes, when Marcus Carr was hitting threes, uh, that made this team nearly unstoppable. But when they're not, they're a much more, they're a much easier team to defend on that end of the floor. They're yeah. still going to get you, they're still going to do a lot of good stuff on the defensive end of the floor, but their offense can get a little stagnant, especially if the outside shots are not falling and you can get into a rock fight with them. And there are teams in this region, there are teams that they might end up facing that are pretty happy to play them to a 51 49 game. And, and, and at that point, it's kind of a toss up. That's very true. Well, let's stay out in the West part of the nation. Arizona, the number seven overall seed. Andy, to say the negative stuff, so let's flip it and let you talk about why you like this Arizona Wildcats team 
to win the national championship with shouts to the movie speed and Sandra Bullock and Dennis Hopper. Cause Sandra Bullock was wearing an Arizona wildcats t-shirt. Andy, go ahead. Love it. I love any college basketball pop culture references. Let's toss them in whenever we can. Uh, the Wildcats have two elite big men, and they're, that's really, really difficult to defend. Very few teams in the country, I think, have the size and defensive acumen to adequately defend both Azulis Tabellis and Umar Balo. That's really the biggest factor for the Wildcats. The Balo is a, your traditional, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, big bruiser down low. He's, he doesn't shoot from behind, you know, anywhere at past eight feet away from the rim, but he's a good shot blocker. He's a menacing defender. He's a great rebounder on offense and defense, and he scores around the rim with a lot of touch. Azulis Tubelis was underrated all year long, even when he was showing up in AP conversations, player of the year conversations. It still felt like he was a little bit underappreciated. He's unique in the sense that he's kind of a 6'9 European big. You expect them to kind of be stretch force. He's not a good outside shooter, but he has a hellraiser around the rim. He's very, very good at finishing through contact uh, and a, a very, very tough offensive player. Yeah, and on the flip side, here's why I think they won't do it. I've already given you my stat that I think tells things. Let me give you Andy Patton's stat. <laughs> no team ranked outside the top 22 at yep. Ken Palm in the Ken Palm era, which dates back to the bright old year of 2002 when yours <laughs> truly graduated from high school. No national champion has ever been ranked outside the top 22 in defensive efficiency at Ken Palm. Right now, Arizona's 41st. Mm -hmm. That's not a good sign for them. Now, obviously, they can move up, but how high are they going to move up? Part of it, uh, too, is that the guard play is inconsistent. Kirk Reese has a banged up shoulder on top of all that right now, and so we watch for that. I'd love to see Courtney Ramey, who, by the way, is a Texas transfer. I'd love yeah. to see him go off a little bit. Or your guy, Pella Larson, whom mm -hmm. Andy predicted preseason, bold prediction, mm -hmm. might be the Pac-12 player of the year. Bold prediction. Bold <laughs> prediction. Very bold. And then also, listen, Tubelas and Balo are phenomenal players. Mm -hmm. But similar to Kansas and Jalen Wilson, sometime Arizona, sometimes excuse me, Arizona can become overly reliant yep. on them. The eighth overall seed, number two, uh, is Marquette. Man, what a thing that they have done this year! Great, great run for Shaka Smart's team. Andy, why might they win a national championship? Shaka Smart is a big reason, quite honestly. I, I, this team was picked to finish ninth in the Big East. Uh, they're the first team since the Big East merged uh, in 2013. I think they're the first non-original member of the Big East to win the tournament in the Madison Square Garden. This team, an extraordinary run for them. And Shaka Smart's offensive acumen, his mind on that end of the floor is just fantastic. And and to make the engine run for the goal, or for the Eagles, Tyler Kolek, what a player. What an absolute star he has been this year. He's averaging nearly eight assists per game he is a lethal facilitator we've talked about guard play we've talked about experienced guard play what that means for march boy do does marquette have that in tyler kolek again eight assists almost two steals per game as well they are a hyper efficient team around the rim they shoot just under 59 percent on two pointers this season uh, they are a very balanced scoring team they have five guys averaging between nine and a half and 15 points per game all that leads to them being a top 10 offensive team in the country. Isaac, every single one of the will they reasons was offensively. I have a feeling I know which direction you're going to go talking about this team and their negatives. 
Yeah, it's like a Fran McCaffrey Iowa team, right? Like, um, it, it, if we were talking about Arizona and why they couldn't win because of being outside the top 22 in Ken Palm defensive efficiency, unfortunately, Mark's even worse where they're 48th, I believe, yeah. right now. Uh, to put it in your words, Andy, shockingly bad for a two seed. And yeah. so um, history tells us they won't win a national championship because of that. Also, their lack of size, as great as the guards are, they don't have a rotation player over 6'9". And so they are 317th in the nation with just 31.9 rebounds per game. And then the other and final reason I'd give you is they're shooting as a team just 72.1% from the free throw line. And when you rely on guards and athleticism, you got to do better than that from mm -hmm. the free throw line, just 164th in the country in that metric. Andy, what a great and fun exercise behind the curtain. That was all Andy's idea. I'm here for it as we are on Christmas Day tipping off the NCAA tournament. Coming up in just a second, I'm going to be joined by Lee Sterling from Locked on Bets, where we're going to get you ready for some of today's action. I want to know who he thinks is got the most upside as a national championship bet. Coming up in just a second. We wrap today's show being joined by Lee Sterling, part of Locked On Bets. Of course, all our lines here at Locked On are brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Network. And Lee, I know you are at the end of a long string. You told me 56, 56 shows. Jeez. Well, this Monday is the afternoon. So uh, uh, I still feel good. So. Um, <laughs> you got a voice, you got a brain, so we're in business. So let's have some fun talking a few lines. Of course, today, Thursday, is the first official day after getting past the first four. We got 16 games tipping off, 12-15, all the way through the rest of the night. And so, Lee, here's my first question. As you look at the 16 games on Thursday, which line is just too big for you? I, I think it's going to be ten, uh, Tennessee is one of them. Tennessee is laying 11 and a half points here. They're going to face a Louisiana Lafayette team and the raging Cajuns. These kids play hard. They have a Nevada transfer, Jordan Brown, averaging almost 20 points per game. And they don't have many long stretches of periods where they can't score. They play extremely hard. Sometimes they'll play nine, 10 guys. Uh, foul trouble is not going to Give them a problem here. So I think 11 and a half is a little too much there. And another game that's too much and it's a low line is the St. Mary's line, like mm. four and a half against Virginia Commonwealth. And you're saying, well, that's a that's a five seed. Well, St. Mary's hasn't played well the last couple of weeks. Virginia Commonwealth will press, full court press. Their defense allows just 63.1 points per game. So you're getting uh, almost five points, probably going to be a low-scoring game. And how do you go against their senior guard named Ace Baldwin, one of the best names in college basketball? I, I think Virginia Commonwealth's playing some great basketball. Who knows? They might not only win this game, win another game. They're my sleeper to make Ooh. it to Sweet 16. I love that, Lee. Yes, probably a low possession game might be a first team to 50 sort of situation right. there between these two teams. Lee, what about the flip side? What line for you is just too small? I, I would say the Miami line, Miami of Florida. So this line opened at three and a half. The public loves Drake here. Uh, Drake, Drake, great you know, record, but they haven't played anyone. Miami beat Duke by 20 points at home. I think they would have won the game 
if Norchette O'Meara, he doesn't get hurt in the first minute of that game. In the ACC two. semifinal. And then, yeah, and then yeah. on top of that, it wasn't just the injury. The calls down the stretch were horrible. I think it's a bad matchup for Drake against any other team that might pull off the upset, but they're not going to beat my Miami Hurricanes. Lay the, <laughs> lay the one and a half point. This line should be five or six points. I'm right with you there. I'm all in on the Canes. I've got them in my Elite Eight. Lee, one of my favorite things to look at when we're looking at lines is a classic wrong team favored situation. Right. It's always my favorite to look at and search out like, why is that team favored? Who are you looking at as a wrong team favored situation? Okay, I'm going to look at Creighton. The public loves Creighton, Ooh. but they have periods for five, six, seven minutes. They can't score a point. North Carolina State, their backcourt, especially Smith, they're trying to shoot when they hit the parking lot. They scored 97 (laughs) points against a pretty good Virginia Tech team that came close to making the tournament here. So they can score and combine with Creighton having scoring problems here. The wrong team is favored. Give me North Carolina State Wolfpack here straight up. I love to hear a straight up on that. That backcourt of Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner is absolutely vicious. Would love to see a second round matchup with them and Baylor. Battle of the backcourts. I'm here for that take. Now, Lee, we have had a rash of injuries all around the country to notable players, including Houston star Marcus Sasser. And folks have asked me quite a bit, and so I wanted to pose this to you. How much do these types of injuries, especially in college basketball, where we don't have injury reporting requirements, how much do these types of injuries actually move lines or affect them? Well, you see on the Miami game, it started off at three and a half. It's moved to one and a half. Uh, Sasser, I think the injury, I think Omer is going to play and he's going to be fine, maybe 85, 90%. That's what my sources are telling me. But Sasser, we don't know. And if you don't know, stay off the game. Flip side. UCLA, possibly down two starters. They're down two starters. I've never seen a team go very far. So um, even if UCLA gets out of the first game, might be a team you want to fade. Uh, Teams that have two injuries, I think they're up against it. Okay, yeah, we'll have to watch. We know Jalen Clark is going to be out, and then we'll look for a Dambona who we expect to maybe be out, maybe play. We will have to wait and see. Now, Lee. When it comes to picking a national champion in your bracket, I know everyone freaks out, like, who's my final four and who's going to win this thing? A one or a two seed, as we talked about earlier in this show, has won the last seven straight tournaments and nine of the last ten. In fact, since the field expanded to 64 teams back in 1985, 29 of the 37 champions have been a one or two seed. That's 78.4%. So with that in mind, let me pose you this scenario. If I give you those top eight teams, the one and two seeds versus the field, who are you taking and why? So normally I take the one and two seeds. I mean, they're teams usually loaded with blue chip players, great coaches who in the final two minutes can call a play that makes a difference. This might be the one year to Mm. look at the field. We've got Xavier as a three, Gonzaga as a three, UConn as a four, (laughs) and a red-hot Duke team as a five. So why not take a shot? This is normally, I I think only four to six teams have a legitimate chance to win it. This year, I think there's 10 to 12. There's 10 to 12. Let's look at uh, maybe a surprise uh, team wins it all. Okay, I love it. Lee is taking the field over those top 
eight. Staying with the national champ in a year where we've had so much upheaval. When you look at the FanDuel lines for the national champion odds, what's your best value pick to go with there? Okay, so I don't like to take long, long shots, 25, 30 to ones. Okay. Usually just wasting your money. Might as well just throw your money, you know, into the fountain. They're actually well, me, I, will, I will take your money if that's what you're doing. Okay. But there's a one seed and a two seed, I think, are being undervalued. Bama at plus 750. The first two games are in Birmingham. They'll win those two easy here. And I think that's a chalk region. I think it's going to be them in Arizona. So if they win that game and they're in the final four and you got plus 750, you're sitting pretty. And Texas at 15 to 1. Woo. I mean, how many teams have beaten Kansas, a good Kansas team, beat them by double digits twice in a season? So their problem might be early against maybe Texas AM, but they'll be motivated. You know, Texas AM didn't want to play them in football anymore. So <laughs> Texas AM, even if they get by Penn State in the first round, uh, they should be able to take care of them. And if they get to face a Houston team, you know, who's down maybe an injury or they faced a Miami opponent might be the right time. So Bama or Texas getting to the final four, either one of those bets, Bama plus 750 or Texas plus 1500, you're sitting pretty. I love to hear it. Yeah, Texas A&M going to have to get past that hot Penn State team. Lee, I got two more questions for you, and then we'll get you out of here. I was thinking about this, and I was like, I want to know who Lee feels most confident in. I'm calling this Lee's Lock. So, Lee, if you're betting your 401K, and that's a lot to ask, but if right. you were betting your 401K on a game on Thursday, which one would it be and why? You know, I, I probably would go with uh, the Virginia Commonwealth game. I like Virginia Commonwealth. I, I just think that with that defense and the way they're playing right now, they're not afraid of anyone. And if you get a game high 50s, even low 60s, getting four and a half points, I think that game goes right down to the wire. So I'll take Virginia Commonwealth. I love to hear that. Now, unlike the men's side, I do have one women's question for you because the women's basketball this year has been dominated by South Carolina for the second straight year. They're 32-0. and So much so that FanDuel created a, a South Carolina versus the field line, even crazier than the top eight versus the field. But they have a quest for a third straight Final Four, back-to-back -back national champions. Lee, is there any world in which you would feel comfortable taking the Gamecocks versus the field? So I have what's called my level one, level two, and level three lock. Okay. I'm going all the way up. Level three lock, South Carolina Gamecocks, they go undefeated. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's like the Globetrotters, you know. They just don't <laughs> lose. Oh, I love it. Yes. Who are going to be six straight Washington generals to the South Carolina's uh, Globetrotters? Great stuff from Lee Sterling. Brother, thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy some rest and some pizza and enjoy this tournament. Well, that does it for this episode of Locked on College Basketball. First game of the day, tipping off at 12-15 on CBS. Maryland, the nine seed versus Virginia, the eight seed. Excited for this game. I got the Mountaineers winning. It will be Jim Nance's last first game of the tournament. What a ride he has had. Please share some reviews on iTunes for us. We'd love it if you would subscribe to the show on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. Smash the like button, leave comments, and as always, apologies to the lawyer family. Until tomorrow, peace.